Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of the Best Life Moms Club and hosts of That Pregnancy Podcast. We are two moms with a bunch of kids under the age of three. Five to be exact. And we know firsthand how hard it is to be a mom. So we're talking about all the topics that no one ever talked to us about. And not only is it hard being a mom, but it can be lonely and isolating, which is another reason why we're here to help moms like you know that you're not alone. Now, it's important to know that we are not doctors or medical professionals in any way. So always talk to your doctor or healthcare provider with any questions or concerns about your health or the health of your baby. We are moms sharing our lived experience and talking about all things pregnancy and life as a mom. So let's have a chat. Hello and welcome to That Pregnancy Podcast. This week we are talking with Emily about her ear-ass C-section birth of her daughter Lucy. Now Emily is one of the moms in our mommy mentorship program. So if you are looking for an awesome group of ladies who are there to support you through your first year of motherhood, check us out. Uh, For more information, you can go to mommymentorship.com. With that, here's the episode. So why don't we start at the beginning of, and how was your pregnancy? Well, maybe we we should start at the very beginning, which is that um, this isn't, this wasn't my first pregnancy. Um, uh, So I had a miscarriage prior to this pregnancy very open about that. I want, I want other women to know, because yeah, Katie, your openness really inspired me and like helped me kind of get through not the miscarriage per se, but really the pregnancy after my pregnancy where I ultimately had Lucy. And so, you know, I want to just give recognition to that's a, it's a tough journey. My first pregnancy was like the like a super fairy tale kind of pregnancy. We found out on Christmas Eve that we were pregnant and my parents had flown in. We were living in California at the time. So we told them on Christmas and, and then at my 10 week appointment for that pregnancy, we found out that there wasn't a heartbeat um, uh, anymore. And uh, I actually ended up having, it sort of was a fairy tale that turned into a nightmare because um, I ended up having a, a DNC, um, the day before Valentine's day. So like of all the holidays, it was like, it started with Christmas and ended sort of right before Valentine's day. That's a really long journey. It was, it was rough. It was, it was so rough and there's, there's no good way to experience a miscarriage. Right. Um, uh, for me, I went home and, laid on the couch and I literally binge watched all of the seasons. I think there's like eight seasons of the good place. Um, And I picked that show simply because it sounded like I knew nothing about it, but the title of the good place sounded like where I wanted to be. But I was, I didn't leave the couch until I had gotten through all of that. And it was rough. Um, I also had a miscarriage. It was, a, a missed miscarriage. So I didn't know that I miscarried when I went to the doctor's office. I went in thinking like, oh, everything's going to be great. And I think you had the same experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So that was brutal. And then I, I had what was known as a partial molar pregnancy, um, which is where, um, like basically the placenta goes out of control and sort of acts um, almost like a cancer where it just grows uh, enormously. Your HCG levels go literally off the charts. Um, and so that's why they had to do a, a DNC was to take out like everything, all that my placenta was, which was like enormous. And yeah. And uh, wow, that's crazy. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And then you have to wait for your HCG levels to return to normal to zero and then stay there for six months. So I was 35 at the time when we started trying and to be told that like when you're 35, Hey, not only have you had a miscarriage, but you can't try again for another almost year was just like, wait, what is this ever going to happen? My clock is ticking and, and all of that. So it was, it was tough. That is um, tough. Cause like, I know for us, I was 33 when I was pregnant and it was the same thing, right? Like you don't know how long it's going to take you to get pregnant. And, you know, if you have to go through fertility treatments or if you have miscarriages or like, there's so many things that can set you back. Yeah. Right. But yeah. So to lose a year when you're in your thirties, like I can completely understand and how when, tough that would be. And when you're in like baby mode too, it's just like, every minute feels like it's an eternity and you're like every month every day you lose you're just like it's just so much more pressure which then plays into struggling to get pregnant because when you have that pressure and you put that on yourself that definitely hinders conception as well like I that's how I felt with Freya I just felt like that when I gave up I was like okay it's sometimes that's all like it's that mental pressure that plays this like it's it's almost like the physical manifestation of your pressure of getting pregnant is the struggle to get pregnant yeah I mean we were lucky in that once we started trying again so we started trying again in like December of 2019 or so um we got pregnant again pretty quickly so we were lucky in that sense but the the waiting game was just it felt like it never ended and I had to go, you know, get weekly and then eventually monthly blood draws and things like that. And it was just this like brutal reminder of um, what I had been through. Because you had a earlier miscarriage, did you go earlier than 10 or 12 weeks for an ultrasound? So maybe fast forward then to my pregnancy with Lucy, I got pregnant at the end of February, 2020. But I um, took a while to go find out that I was pregnant. So um, I remember, I remember so vividly, like March 3rd, 2020. So this is like when everybody's just starting to talk about COVID here in the United States, but I was still going into work and things like that. Um, And and work was stressful at the time. So I, I took an hour or so and went for a run. Um, during the middle of the workday, even though it was like freezing cold out, icy, snowy, um, just terrible weather. And I, I went for a run and it just didn't feel right. And because I had been pregnant before, um, I knew what running pregnant felt like. And so 
I so clearly remember I was about a half mile into that run and I was like, I'm pregnant. Um, but I didn't want to tell myself because I, I didn't want to like admit that to myself because I was so afraid of going through that journey again. So I just, I didn't tell anyone. I knew I was pregnant on March 3rd. I finally took a test um, on a stick uh, March 8th um, because I was like, okay, I, I like, I do have to figure out if I need to stop drinking wine or eating sushi or all my favorite things. Um, and so I, I took the test actually while my husband was out of the house and everything. Cause I just knew that I had to like have time to process whichever way it was going to go, um, on my own. Um, so March 8th, we found out and then, yeah, immediately after, I think like, um, I think that March 8th was like a Sunday, I think like Tuesday or so I was in the doctor's office and I was in the doctor's office weekly for the first probably 12 weeks of my pregnancy, getting blood tests and ultrasounds and things like that, just to make sure that everything was, was going smoothly and it was, but, but it was, a, it was exceedingly helpful and reassuring to me because I was just a, a total ball of nerves and, and really couldn't manage. So I was, I would look forward and also sort of dread um, those weekly doctor's appointments. And like, I, I couldn't speak to anyone the more the morning of a doctor's appointment until I like saw the baby on the ultrasound. And then I could like breathe and, and relax for a beat. Um, but yeah, it was, it was tough in those early days for sure. It's really um, hard. It's, it, yeah, I mean, it's so hard. We didn't even, so in our first pregnancy, we told all our family right away. We started planning the baby shower. We started picking out nursery furniture. Um, comparatively speaking, um, so I found out early March, and we didn't tell any of our parents or family or anything. Um, we finally told my parents April 25th. And that was wow. only because, yeah, I knew that I couldn't start, I couldn't tell my mom, hey, I'm pregnant. And by the way, I'm in my second trimester. So April 25th, I think was, I was like 12 weeks pregnant or something. And I was like, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm about to start the second trimester. Um, but um, yeah, we, we took our time. And even then we kept it very low key my husband and I didn't even speak about the pregnancy ourselves. We just sort of ignored that it was happening. Um, and, and we weren't getting excited about it or anything like that. Cause we just knew that it could all be taken away. So, so quickly. Um, and I, I really think that was probably the hardest part of the pregnancy was, was just like not being able to relax. I think I finally started to relax somewhere around like, the start of the third trimester um, when I could feel her regularly kicking inside me and moving around and things like that. But I, I really like didn't take a breath. I, I really didn't feel like I took a breath until somewhere around that, that third trimester start. Wow. It's like everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, I, you're you're articulating exactly how I felt too with my pregnancies. It's like keeping it low profile, like 
you're speaking my language on that. Like I, mm-hmm. I totally understand that when you like throughout your pregnancy. So you were stressed with it and, you know, kind of very cautious, like cautiously optimistic and hopeful about it, but very reserved about it. Were you healthy? Did you, was it kind of, was Lucy's pregnancy complication free? Yeah. I mean, um, my pregnancy from a medical perspective was super boring um, uh, in a good way. Um, so yeah, she was healthy as could be. I was, I was doing great. My blood pressure was great. My weight gain was great. I mean, everything was, was great. Um, up until the very end. Um, and I I can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Everything was, was pointing in the right direction. Just mentally, I couldn't get there. And, uh, finally, you know, my husband said to me, like, like we do have to buy furniture for the nursery and we, we can't just buy it the day before she shows up because it's COVID and like, you can't get things tomorrow. Um, and there were, you know, supply chain issues already showing up and things like that. So it was just a really weird time. Um, it was also a weird time to be pregnant because I went home from work on March 12th and did not return to the office so I ended up telling all my coworkers, I think in like August, like, oh, by the way, I'm pregnant and like really pregnant. Like you could totally see my belly, but they were in, in total disbelief because we were all over Zoom and nobody had, nothing had changed above sort of the, the Zoom frame. Hold on. So nobody um, at work knew you were pregnant for months and months and months? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be, I told them in my third trimester. <laughs> So, wow, that's funny. <laughs> so essentially, you could have had the baby without anybody of your coworkers knowing. You could have just yeah. shown up for a meeting, be like, "Hey, here's the, <laughs> here's the baby." <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's such a strange thing, like with COVID, right? Like, and the implications of that on like work relationships, because normally at work when you're pregnant. If for so many people, that's like the center of conversation and, you know, you get so much like excitement and everybody kind of travels that pregnancy with you. And I'm, was it kind of lonely? It was kind of lonely. Um, yeah, it was kind of lonely. I mean, it was also kind of nice and quiet. Um, uh, and I didn't have people asking me about it all, all the time, which, you know, in the first, I mean, certainly nobody knows you're pregnant in the first trimester, but in the second trimester, when you start to show, I wasn't really ready to talk about it with anyone. Um, so it was nice that that wasn't forced upon me. Um, uh, you know, the only times in which, um, I would see people. So I stayed very active during my pregnancy. Um, and both my husband and I are Ironman, Ironman triathletes. Um, so we're, you know, the super gym nuts, if you will. Um, and it was important to me that I stay active during my pregnancy. So I ran, um, I ran during my first and third trimester, the second trimester got like too uncomfortable to pee all the time, but I would, uh, and I, I biked on the indoor trainer the entire time. Um, and I would swim, the, the pool was shut down due to COVID, but I would go over to this beach, um, maybe a mile from our house and swim in Lake Michigan um, in my wetsuit. 
And as I got bigger and bigger, I would have to ask somebody to like help zip up my wetsuit. And that would always sort of prompt the conversation of what are you doing? Are you, are you pregnant? And um, uh, as that increasingly got visible, I would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm eight months pregnant going swimming in Lake Michigan. But um, it was a lot of fun. And miraculously, um, the wetsuit somehow still fit the whole way through it just like stretched and stretched and stretched and it's now so stretched that I can't use it but uh it served its purpose for sure that's crazy that you were able to wear one sweat swims like a wetsuit the whole time that's amazing it was it was tight like in the last in the final trimester it was very tight to get on um it it took a little bit of effort to squeeze everything in there but I would just say, hey, Lucy, suck it in. It's time to put on our wetsuit. And uh, and away we would go. Um, and it was so good for us to like, I mean, she enjoyed it. Like when we would swim, she would just be kicking around my stomach, which was always just such a weird and funny feeling. Um, uh, but, you know, it was something that was just good for the both of us. I, I love swimming when I'm pregnant. That's yeah. Like this, I'm not a you know that I am not a, not a fan of exercise, but I love swimming and I especially love swimming when I'm pregnant. Like, it's just, it's kind of freeing. It kind of, it like lifts all the weight off your body and the pressure. It's just, I love swimming, but I really love it when I'm pregnant. So I completely yeah. understand that. Yeah. That was the benefit of being pregnant over the summer. Lots yeah. of swimming. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And with the running, I ran my first trimester it, and it started as I got closer to the second, um, the whole, you know, having to pee all the time, which actually is, it's interesting. It's not caused by the baby sitting on your bladder, at least not in the first trimester. Um, it's actually caused by the uh, extra blood of making your kidneys work harder to flush everything through. So it was just really uncomfortable. And I, I hated running, feeling like I had to pee constantly. But by the third trimester, I think I just like embraced it. And uh, um, whatever, if I pee myself, I pee myself. It happens, and, and it happens to everyone. At some yeah. point, it will happen to everyone. Um, I also, in the third trimester, I, would, I created um, basically one mile loops from my house and so I would run a mile and then come back to my house and then if I felt good enough to run another mile I'd do that and if I felt good enough to run another I'd do that and that would always give me sort of a and out in case I just suddenly wasn't feeling great uh, and be a bathroom break um, uh, so it was a, a nice way it was a little bit like annoying um, because uh, there aren't that many one mile loops from my house but, you know, it got the job done. And at the end of the day, I could still put down, you know, a, a five or six mile run um, and, and felt great about that at, at um, the end of it. Wow. That's so impressive. Was, it was, uh, I mean, that it, it was maybe more of a waddle than a run towards the end. It doesn't but, matter. That's commitment. And that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But with, did your doctor have any concerns about you exercising through like the third trimester, like keeping up that, um, like that running and everything? No. Um, uh, I think because it's really about listening to your body. And that was something she would say to me 
every single time um, uh, is just make sure you're listening to your body. And, um, you know, when you're marathoning or doing Ironman, you listen to your body, but you also ignore it and tell it to shut up um, so that you can keep going 26 miles or, or whatever ridiculous distance. Um, and she said, you know, don't tell your body to shut up. Instead, listen to it. And when it says stop, stop. So that was a little bit of a change, but no, I mean, it was, it, everything felt really good overall. And I would feel better if I, if I got a workout in, it also helped. I ended up getting, um, sciatica halfway through my pregnancy. And I know a few moms in the group have also had sciatica. Um, and the best thing that I found to overcome that was just to walk, an enormous amount or, or run an enormous amount. Um, and by enormous amount, like six, seven, eight miles a day. If I, if I got those number of steps in, in a day, the sciatica wasn't bothersome, but if it was, you know, only three or four miles in a day, I would feel it the next day and everything would be super tight and painful. Um, so that also, I would just tell myself like, Oh, this is just the baby's way of keeping me in shape. Uh, and keeping me honest. So it was really good to to feel like I was staying healthy for both of us rather than just for me. Um, and it gave me sort of the extra motivation to just keep moving throughout throughout my pregnancy. Well, I think too, for a lot of people, like exercise and fitness isn't just about the physical benefits, right? There's a lot of mental health benefits for with that. And so when you're struggling and you're you have anxiety and you're cautiously, you know, that there's kind of that cautious mind that's always hovering. That probably was pretty beneficial for you. Totally. Yeah. I'm a head case in normal times if I don't get a workout in um, pretty regularly. So I can only imagine what I would have been during that time of stress. And pregnancy um, hormones, <laughs> like and just hormones and yeah, stacking it on for you. Uh, but my husband was, he get, should get a ton of credit too. Cause he was great in making sure that um, I would prioritize that because it is, it is super easy, especially like when you're tired or just feeling large and feeling like, okay, none of the, the workout pants or anything are going to fit it's really easy to say I'm just going to stay on the couch for the next few months and and check you later um and he would sort of say no get your butt up and and go for a walk at least um which was I appreciate that sort of tough love (laughs) uh you mentioned that like towards your the beginning middle part of Lucy's pregnancy was healthy and textbook and uneventful. And then things kind of changed towards the end third trimester, right? Yeah. So what happened? I ended up, I was very itchy and like itching during pregnancy. I feel like is pretty common. Like people say, Oh yeah, my, my stomach is itchy or things like that. I was like waking up in the middle of the night itchy and I just brushed it off to, oh, I need to put more lotion on or things like that. But nothing would ever um, take that away. And so finally, I woke up one night, I, you know, as I was doing pretty much every night itching and I Googled. Um, and this was like, I'm like 30, 
probably four weeks pregnant at this point. And so I Google like itchy pregnancy. And of course, Dr. Google takes you down to like a, a really bad rabbit hole. Um, and I came across this sort of scary sounding thing called cholestasis. And um, cholestasis, like the most common symptoms, it's a super rare, um, but the most common symptoms are itchiness and um, darker than usual urine, um, of which I had both. And so I went to my doctor and I said, hey, I think I might have cholestasis. And I know that, you know, you hate it when we all look on Google and self-diagnose and things like that. But can I just like get the blood test to rule this out? Because otherwise I'm going to convince myself that I have it and just be super itchy for psychosomatic reasons. And fortunately, she was lovely and, and humored me. But like, just said, you know, take an oatmeal bath as well. Like, I'll do the blood test for you, but it'll be a couple of days before we get the results. And then in the meantime, take an oatmeal bath. Turns out, Dr. Google was right. And I had cholestasis, um, which isn't like a big deal as I understand it. Um, I think it's a bigger deal if you are diagnosed with it a little bit earlier in your pregnancy, but it usually comes on either in second or third trimester. Uh, but I was like 30, I was 37 weeks when we uh, got the blood test results back. And the way in which they treat it is they deliver the baby at 37 weeks. So I was in for my 37 week appointment and the doctor said, hey, so we got your blood test back. You have cholestasis. How about having the baby on Friday? And this was like a Wednesday. Can I just say good for you for advocating for yourself, like knowing that there was something wrong, you thought it might be something because you had all the symptoms and then you like told the doctor, this is exactly what I want. Right. And, you know, some doctors would say no, no, no. But like, you know, you had a doctor that obviously didn't, but even if your doctor said no, like it's good to advocate for yourself when you, you think something's off and, you might have an idea what you think it might be. Yeah, absolutely. It's what you guys always say, it's trust your mom gut. And it was just this lingering thing where I was like, I want to be wrong about this, but I I don't think I am. And it was just a weird nagging feeling where I, I felt like I had to speak up and, and say something. And then alternatively, if they don't deliver the baby at 37 weeks, um, there's a relatively significant risk, like a 10% or so risk of, of stillborn um, if you wait until 40 weeks. And I oh. was like, oh gosh, like the the risk was too great to not speak up and, and say something. I, I think um, any type of risk you, you, you speak up, right? And yeah. it's interesting that you say that it's really rare because you were the second person I know who has it, who had it. Yes. I know a childhood friend of mine, she had it with her first or her second. And yeah. And she's subsequently had two pregnancies after and they've delivered. So it must've been her first because she has three. She just most recently had a baby in September or third in September. So it was her first and the two subsequent pregnancies were delivered at 37 weeks 
just in case you developed it. Yeah. 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 yeah, So you're the second one that I know that. that Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not so uncommon that you can't find stories on, um, on the internet. Um, There's certainly people who do have it. I would caution and say more than likely if you are itchy in pregnancy, probably an oatmeal bath will help. But if, if you have that mom gut feeling or you're just concerned, like just ask for the blood test and, you know, they take blood so often while you're pregnant that they can just run another lab. And I think it was um, here in the U S you know, we get all of our medical bills. I think it was like a $70 blood test totally worth and it. totally worth it. Right. Um, uh, so I don't regret that at all. No, good. Like Amanda's right. Good for you for advocating and pushing and saying like, no, I, I need this even just for my mental health. Like show me I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because you're right. The psych, the psychosomatic piece of it is that you're just going to get more itchy and more itchy and it's going to get worse. It's like when you mention. And when you're a teacher, you mention lice to someone and then automatically their head, you start see people scratching their heads. It's just, it automatically happens. So you're right. Like not a, prove me wrong, but I'm going to get worse if you don't do it. So just do it. It's exactly that. Um, we found out she was breech at 34 weeks. And as a result, we started talking about having a C-section with my doctor at 34 weeks. Um, and you know, there was always this hope that she would move or flip or things like that. Since I had the anterior placenta, um, they weren't going to try to manipulate her from the external to try to get her to flip. Um, so it was just like, how do you feel about a C-section? And I said, well, I, I don't know that there's really a choice. So I guess I feel great about it. As long as the baby comes out healthy and fine, uh, I don't really have a preference significantly about how she comes out. Um, and and it was sort of interesting to me because the doctor sort of presented it as a lesser option, that C-section was somehow not as awesome as having a vaginal birth. I'm like, how do you feel about it? And I was like, I, I feel great. Just get the baby out healthy and safe and, and happy and, and we're all good. Some women are really upset when they can't have a, a vaginal birth, right? So maybe that's yeah. why he, he uh, the doctor phrased it that way for you. But yeah, I mean, um, it certainly wasn't what I originally envisioned when I thought about having birth or giving birth. Um, uh, you know, I sort of had thought about labor and um, all that would come with that, but um again it, the priority was having a, a safe and happy baby more so than what I had sort of dreamed up as as being labor and delivery so then my doctor said well you might be a great candidate for this new protocol um, that we're doing with c-sections called ERAS um, and I tell people it's pronounced ear like ear is in the thing attached to your head and then ass is like the thing that is your tush um uh it's actually written as e-r-a-s and it stands for enhanced recovery after surgery um and basically what that means is they give you a slightly different cocktail of drugs 
um, in your spine when they're um, blocking everything. So when you get a C-section, you go into the OR, they, they give you a spinal blocker of some sort. Um, uh, so they give you a different cocktail of drugs. They do the C-section as normal. Um, and then after the C-section, within a few hours, you are encouraged to get up and start walking around. Um, which I think for moms who have had sort of the traditional C-section sounds insane. Um, totally sounds <laughs> insane. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, I'll tell you, I was definitely up and doing laps of the maternity ward um, about 12 hours after I gave birth um, to Lucy. So um, whatever different cocktail they have, it seems to work. Um, what they don't tell you, so the whole idea is, is to enhance the recovery process. You're up walking around, you're moving a lot faster. Your recovery time is dramatically reduced. What they don't tell you though, is that the drugs they give you that are different, they tend to create more nausea uh, for you. And so Amanda, I had absolutely listened multiple times to your episode on C-sections and like wrote down all of your tips and everything. Um, so I kept telling them, yeah, I'm nauseous. I'm nauseous. And they kept giving me um, more anti-nausea medicine. Um, but I ended up puking basically through the entire um, birth. So it wasn't certainly a dream scenario of, of birth. Oh, um, man. You know, oh, here I am. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty terrible. I mean, the first couple of hours of Lucy's life were definitely not my finest. Um, uh, you this know, is just I, because of the, the drugs, the cocktail of drugs that they give you. It just makes yeah. you so nauseous that, that like nothing, nothing was helping you subside. Because I know when I started to feel nauseous, they're like, okay, we'll give you gravel. And then they give me gravel, hit a gravel, and I was good, right? Yeah, nothing was helping me. I think I had a pretty dramatic reaction as well, but um, nothing was going to be, there was there was no amount that was going to help me overcome it. Um, and so what they were managing in the OR was me vomiting to the side and them having, you know, my, my stomach open um, and them trying to stitch me up while I'm puking off to the side um, I, I'm just like visualizing imagining in my head just exactly like what your body must have looked like because that must be a really amazing thing to watch like well the actual insides of your body while someone is throwing up like that would be yeah. it sounds kind of morbid but kind of like trippy to watch I assume I would imagine as well it was um uh you know, my, my husband was a champ and he just focused on the baby cause he's not doing great with, with vomit. Um, uh, but it was, it was kind of rough. I mean, I remember seeing her for the first time. They didn't hand her to me cause I was a mess. Um, and they were right not to hand her to me. Um, but I remember seeing her first time and then about 10 seconds later, again, vomiting off to the side. Wow. Um, not, not to make light of, you know, your vomiting experience and everything, but like, really, that is terrible. That must be yeah. 
you know, that's such like anticipated moment to see and meet Lucy for the first time. And then you're like, okay, I can't. And then you turn your head like, oh, that's, that's such a shame. Yeah, it was, it was rough. I mean, um, I would say she was born at five o'clock. I started feeling better about 10 o'clock that night, but for the first five hours of her life, I was a hot mess. And so even while they were trying to get her to nurse off of me, their whole, the nurse was wonderful and a little bit up in my business holding Lucy to my breast and I'm still trying to puke. Um, And at that point, mm -hmm, um, at that point I'm eating ice chips and, and drinking um, a little bit of apple juice to have something in my stomach, but it's immediately coming up. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to nurse my newborn. So it wasn't the best um, first nursing experience, but I have to say, even though I was a mess, my daughter was beautiful, is beautiful, but was beautiful when she first came out as well. And I was an absolute champ at nursing. Like she did all of the work. She's like, no worry, mom, you're a hot mess. I got it. Um, uh, and, um, she was just excellent at it. So I'm, I'm so grateful and proud of her from literally the moment that she was born, uh, for, for taking all of that on. And then, like I said, like, well, they were an important five hours. It was just five hours of me not feeling awesome at all. Um, but by 10 o'clock that night, I was feeling much better I was able to nurse her and um, keep food down and things like that. By the next morning, I was hungry for breakfast and, and ready to go. And I was up walking around and doing laps of the maternity ward. I was able to go walk over and see her get her first bath and things like that. So um, for anyone who's considering um, an ERAS um, C-section, I'll just say maybe prepare yourself to not have the most amazing birth moment. Maybe it will work out great for you and that's awesome. Um, But I would do it a hundred times over again because it was just a short window that wasn't great. And the rest of it, um, we got out of the hospital Sunday morning. She was born on Friday evening and we got out of the hospital Sunday morning and we were home and um, able to walk around and, um, within a week I was going on long like a couple mile long walks I was up and down the stairs um slowly but moving around um uh pretty well um pretty quickly yeah I would definitely wasn't doing like mile long walks for like the first yeah. couple weeks and I would say that like with like the traditional c-section like getting out of bed and stuff is like slow like I I was shuffling down to the maternity ward like to see the doctor and stuff but I definitely wasn't going quickly yeah. um, but so yours always seemed like just based on conversations we've had that um yeah you were definitely up and at it and moving around even more than you would if you had a traditional c-section right like it's just a slower recovery i was gonna say i think it's the same recovery just a lot faster um so you know the first bunch of times 
I went around the maternity ward, I was shuffling, but by the time we were leaving, I was pretty properly walking. Um, uh, and it, it's just, everything is much more condensed. Um, not everybody is a candidate. Um, and I don't think every hospital, cause it is a newer protocol, um, offers, um, your C-section. So anyone who's listening should talk to their doctor, but if it's an option for you, I highly recommend it. I think it would just made everything in those early days um, and weeks with a newborn just so much easier to not also be having to worry so much about my own recovery. Um, I did have to like take my, my Motrin and Tylenol on a regular schedule and, and things like that. Like there's still some pain um, as with any C-section, but um, it was just so much reduced and it made everything easier. So like, I'm just want to clarify. So the actual exiting strategy for loot for the C-section, the ERS C-section that you had is the same as a traditional C-section, but what is impacting and changing the recovery is the cocktail of drugs that you're given. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a, a few articles, um, Katie, I'm kind of like you and I nerd out on getting into all the medical science and whatnot. Um, there's a few articles about how um, sometimes ERS C-sections are more difficult for anesthesiologists because they're the ones who are um, coordinating what goes in and then also responsible for um, keeping you from vomiting throughout uh, the entire C-section procedure. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, it's a little bit more difficult for them, but that's, that's the main difference. Um, everything otherwise, you know, my scar looks the same as anybody else uh, who had a C-section scar and the way she came out was exactly the same as well. It's, it's amazing to me that drugs can have that much of a drastic effect like a different cocktail can have such an impact that to me is mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's related to the impact on your organs and how much they keep them functioning, if you will, um, versus suppress some of the, the systems so that you can give birth, um, in a, is frankly a, an unnatural way, um, but a way that makes sense for a lot of women. So, well, it's just, uh, unnatural in the sense of you're not meant to be like your body isn't supposed to be cut open, right? It is a natural. Exactly. It is the way you know. It's one of two options. There's nothing unnatural about it because that's the way it is. But physiologically, you're like, oh, if there's no hole there, should there be something coming out? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's, um, I, I thought it was a, a great procedure. Again, it's, it's not something that's offered everywhere though. Um, and it's not appropriate for everyone. There's certainly considerations, um, that anesthesiologists are making in terms of managing hypertension, um, and blood pressure and things like that. So, um, you have to talk to your doctor of, if you're a candidate for it. And probably the health of like the health of the baby leading up to delivery as well, because drugs 
also have an impact, right? Because some drugs yep. cross placenta, some don't. Like there's a suppression in D cells. So there are different things to consider when you know, you're looking into that. So that's, yep. to me, that is fascinating that it's just drugs. I, because I, I was, it's I was medical like, advancement. I was really under the impression that there was some like new way of, like when we've talked about your C-section pre, like prior and knowing that it was a new kind of style and like protocol coming up that I thought that there was something like new, like maybe you got one big, in, like a medium sized incision in a, a small incision and somebody, you know, they're, you know, just how like there's laparoscopic surgeries. That's honestly, <laughs> I sound really dumb saying it, but I, I really did think. I don't think you could have a laparoscopic uh, childbirth. I, I wasn't, think it works that I way. knew <laughs> I knew it wasn't laparoscopic birth. <laughs> I, what I'm meaning is like how there's been advancements with laparoscopic, lap, now I can't even say it, but like in different types styles of surgery. And so I've always been under the impression that there was some sort of different actual physical difference in the way your C-section was done as opposed to just the, the drugs. Yeah, no, it, it's just the drugs, but... Um... You know, I think it's just a matter of time before it's laparoscopic uh, C-section. <laughs> I that don't know about amazing. that. Don't try and make me feel better about that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to prove a point that like surgeries have changed. And and I was honest, I honestly thought that there was a difference in the actual incisions that you had. I didn't yeah, realize no. that it was just the drugs. I feel very oh. stupid articulating oh. that now, but it's But true. honestly... You would be surprised at how small the C-section scars actually are. When you think of like a baby actually coming out of it, like is, yours is pretty small too, I'm assuming. Yeah. Right? Like it's not really that big. Is it bigger than like 10 centimeters? I, I've never measured it. But well, 10 it's, centimeters it's, is like this. This is how big. You have to remember you're like all stretched out and stuff, right? Too. I would have to measure it. But yeah, my I'm actually surprised at how small my incision is. Because this is how they they measure. They use their <laughs> fingers when they're they measure your cervix, and I, the gap I think has to do with from thumb to pinky. For those listening, it's a, it's and you can't about... actually see what we're doing with our fingers. We're holding up our hands <laughs> and trying to spread our fingers <laughs> apart. But it is smaller than my thumb to pinky. Yeah. Yeah, it's smaller than my thumb to pinky, and I have a small hand. Granted, um, like, you know, um, when your cervix opens, it's a circumference. It's not just a straight line, right? So there's an actual circle, hole with your, like, with the birth canal, as opposed to a straight line of your incision, which then gets stretched to. It's crazy to think. I'm going to measure my incision later today. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And do my measurements. <laughs> Our new measurement. How big is the incision? I would be how guys measure their penises, so we can <laughs> measure our uh, C-section scars. I would be interested to know, like, the actual size of your C-section scar in comparison to, you know, what a dilation of ten centimeters would compare to. And granted, yeah. yes, your ten centimeters, your ten, your cervix stretches. You know, you you push at ten centimeters that opening is 10 centimeters, but during delivery, it does swell 
like it does get stretched, but it's still, I would be, I imagine your C-section scars are probably smaller than like your incision scars, probably smaller than what the vaginal opening would be. Yeah. It's really not that big to be honest with you. And, and now that I'm like three years out with Caroline, like, um, I, you really don't notice it. It's there if you look, but it's not really noticeable. I love my C-section scar. I think it's like getting like your kid's name tattooed on your body. But like, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't have tattoos, so I don't think I would tattoo Lucy's name anywhere on me, but like, I kind of have that Um, and it's going to stay with me for forever. And I, I absolutely love it. I think it's just one, a beautiful reminder of my daughter every day that's a really nice way to approach it it's uh but it also as like time goes on um like it's there but like it when you, it, when you first have a c-section it looks kind of gnarly and then like as time goes on like it's just like a it's, it's a line right like you can't yeah. really see anything else to it but you're right it, it definitely is a reminder and uh for me my belly button also a reminder um uh cooper the other day was commenting on my belly button i'm like yep my belly button looks like that because i had you (laughs) it's your fault i i embrace i embrace those things like those changes in my body that were caused because i had the the children so emily did you um when you were in your c-section you were because you were so sick did you notice did you feel like the tugging and the like extraction of lucy did you feel like like you were kind of being manhandled at all because i know amanda has talked about it cynthia in her episode she talked about it i was just is that something that you noticed or were you too busy feeling terrible i think i was too busy feeling pretty crappy um I kind of remember a little bit when they first started. Uh, and I think because I almost wanted to feel something. I was, I was so curious, like, what are they doing down there? Um, and I think had they let me watch, I probably would have, like, opted for watching the whole thing. My husband was like, no. Um, uh, he didn't want to see a, a drop of blood or anything. Um, but uh I was so curious as to what they were doing. And then very quickly, I started feeling pretty sick. Um, So I don't remember an enormous amount of tugging or things like that. Um, I remember um, they asked us for her name before um, she came out. And so I remember the doctor saying, happy birthday, Lucy, and then hearing her cry. Oh, that's so cute cute yeah and then um uh and then it felt like for forever before I got to see her because you know they like quickly do something with them and I think at that point I was getting pretty sick so they weren't in any sort of hurry to put her on top of me or anything like that um uh but uh I remember just dying to see her and it was probably only a matter of seconds before I did but it felt like time just stopped for a minute and all I wanted to do was see my daughter. Do you feel like you missed anything in your pregnancy because of COVID? 
Like, do you feel like you got, you missed out on anything? Um, do you think I missed out on yeah, I, I do. I think I had a different experience than um, I would have had um, if it weren't for COVID, right? Um, and there were both pros and cons to that. I didn't have people constantly asking me, how's the baby? How are you feeling? Which I really didn't need because my answer would have been like, I'm a basket of nerves, please go away. Um but then, you know, we also didn't really get to celebrate it. Like we had a virtual baby shower. Um, everybody was on Zoom, um, which ended up being awesome because I had friends from literally all over the world attend my baby shower. Um, but it was, you know, everybody was on Zoom. Um, my husband, uh, since we got we found out we were pregnant right at the start of the pandemic. He was able to actually come to, I think, almost all of my first trimester appointments. But by the second trimester, the doctor was saying, no, husbands can't come to um, doctor's appointments um, for a while there. And it, the ball kept moving. Um, for a while, he could attend the ultrasound, but not the actual appointment, um, which was kind of weird. Um, and so by the time I got to 37 weeks, when I found out, um, you know, on a Wednesday that I was going to have Lucy on a Friday, my husband stopped trying to even come to the doctor's appointments. He was just like, you just go, I won't be able to come in or maybe I will, but like, whatever. Um, and, uh, so I had to call him. So when the doctor said, you know, you're going to deliver on Friday, is that okay? I said, well, can I call my husband? And, um, and he was like busy fixing up the house or something. So he didn't even answer the phone the first time. Um, and so I texted him and I said, important, call me back. Um, and five minutes later, I tried him again. And he finally picked up and he's like, what? I'm on a ladder. <laughs> so I was like, well, we're going to have a baby on Friday. So maybe like, just prepare yourself. I thought it was important to call you. But he was like changing a light bulb or something like that. So there, were, there was a little of that where we missed out on the magic of, you know, getting to find out both together at the same time. But there's also just funny stories where, you know, he's changing a light bulb on a ladder and finding out that his daughter's going to come in 48 hours. Um, so I think we just embraced life for what it, it is and what it was. Um, uh, it certainly wasn't how I envisioned, uh, being pregnant or giving birth or anything like that, but at the same time, you know, it all turned out great and, and we're, um, so blessed to have just a, now a, a very rambunctious one-year-old, um, who's running around the place like crazy. I think that's a wonderful way to kind of end it because you have a beautiful, healthy girl who is now one. And thank you for sharing us your story and hearing about your ERS C-section, which I've learned a lot about <laughs> after not knowing for a year. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I mean, and being part of this club over the past 
um, what about 18 months or so, um, both pre having Lucy and now post having Lucy has just been incredible. I mean, the support, the tips, the sleep schedules, everything. I don't honestly know how I would have made it through without all of that. So I just, I'm so indebted to the both of you and all the members of the club for all the love and support. Um, it's just been incredible. We love having you and we're so happy to have been on this journey with you. So thank you for being with us because you bring so much to us, to the group as well. So thank you so much for sharing your story and Lucy's story. This is, I love hearing birth stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of That Pregnancy Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an upcoming show, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We are at Best Life Moms Club. Until next time.